I'm here uh, with a drink in my hand, you know, because uh, I'm a cliche, if nothing else. Mm. Waiting for my co-host, Ryland, to join me. There he is. Ryland oh, Grant, gentlemen. Yeah, I was sitting. Uh, I was sitting in the waiting room, just waiting to come in, uh, you know, full bowl with my intro, and then uh, they just cut to you. So, um, <laughs> somewhat, you ready? Uh, somewhat ready? less. Yes. Uh, should we do it? We'll do a countdown, we'll do it. and I'll, I'll just come right in. You All right, you ready? Three, Three, two. Hello and welcome to the Writer's Block, Episode 7, Ringo Awards Riot, coming to you live from the Baltimore Comic Con, brought to you by Pinocchio's, Nevada's only all-puppet all puppet brothel. It would have been funnier if I didn't uh, trip over the words, but we're live. It's okay, uh, it's a live I, show. <laughs> I am Rylan Grant, uh, the Ringo Award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant, Banjax, and The Peacekeepers. The other voice in the dark, the man in the box to the right where he should be. <laughs> uh, David Avalone, film industry veteran, uh, it's one way to put it, and comic book writer of Elvira, Betty Page, Doc Savage, The Shadow, and Vampirella, all uh, for Dynamite. Co-creator of Drawing Blood and the radically rearranged Ronan Ragdolls with Kevin Eastman. And Ryland, tell us about last week's episode. <laughs> An all-around good guys. Yeah, if you uh, missed episode six last week, our Halloween horror powwow with the uh, Nightmare Theater anthology editors, Clay Adams and David Schrader, I strongly suggest that you back it on up and check that out. But David, we have a, uh, a bonkers-packed program today. I don't know, I don't know how we're going to fit all of these people and all of this uh, amazingness in. An amazing, amazing group. And I was just told about a last-minute edition who's super exciting. Uh, we're just a couple of hours away from the Ringo, the, the Ringo Awards, the Mike Waringo Comic Book Awards. And for this very special episode, uh, it's not going to be I Get My First Period. It's not that kind of very special episode of the Writer's Block. We have four <laughs> uh, of tonight's nominees on the show today as our guests. But lest we forget, we actually have five nominees today because there's a little comic up for a few awards called Banjax, written by some dude named Ryland Grant. Oh. Well, we just brought we just brought Peppas on. Hey, Peppas, you're peeking in. Oh. We're not ready for Peppas yet. Kick Peppas out for a minute. Uh, <laughs> yes, my uh, my dark superhero noir Banjax is nominated for not one, not two, not three, but four uh, 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 Ringo Awards uh, uh, this year. We are uh, the the tiny independent book, the little engine that could, that is nominated for best series alongside uh, Bitterroot and Something's Killing the Children and uh, Black Hammer and uh, you know all sorts Great of stuff. other goodness. So uh, I don't uh, I don't see us edging those uh, behemoths behemoths out. But this is very much a uh, um, you know it was um, I I miss being there. I mean I was down there last year for Aberrant. Aberrant uh, won, won a Ringo last year and was nominated for two others. Um, you know we surprise win there, uh, but it was such an amazing experience uh, being there. You know uh, being uh, in that community, and so uh, we have. Um, we have done this. We have staged this podcast, this Ringo Awards riot uh, with it is almost a Royal Rumble of, uh, of nominees uh, to come in, talk and do a little, uh, I don't know, kind of like a bar con action for us. Right. Uh, uh, yes, so that is the general feeling that we go we go for. Uh, good luck tonight, by the way. I want to say that. And now let's Brady bunch out. Let's see the whole it's bringing the whole crew and I'll. I'll let everyone introduce it's themselves. <laughs> Who we got so far? Okay. 
We have uh, Mr. David Pepos, Matt Fraction, Scott Dunbeer, and Drew Edwards. Howdy. And we're waiting on Dan Sakai, and Troy Little should be in there, too. Yeah, Troy Can Little's have in there. Troy there's Troy Little. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, completing so the Brady Bunch. Scott is in the... Of a man uh, named Riley. For, for, for me, Scott is in the the uh, the Paul Lind spot, which is the sweet spot, the uh, the Ann B. Davis center square uh, spot. But thanks, everybody. Let's go around and self introduce. Let's start with David Pepos. Yeah. yeah, let us know who let us know who you are, where you've been, and what you're nominated for. Hi, uh, I'm David Pepos. I'm the uh, writer of Spencer and Locke, uh, Spencer and Locke 2 and Going to the Chapel. Uh, Spencer and Locke 2 is nominated for Best Single Issue or Story, and Going to the Chapel is nominated for Best Presentation and Design. So uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Matt? Hi, I'm Matt Fraction, and I haven't been anywhere in seven, eight months. <laughs> uh, and I'm along with uh, Steve Lieber, uh, uh, nominated for best humor publication of Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Nice. Nice. Scott? Uh, hello. My name is Scott Doonbeer. I'm here in my very messy office. Um, <laughs> I'm an editor at uh, IDW Publishing. I do uh, um, comics as well as art books, artist editions, things like that, and nominated for uh, the... Stan Sakai, Usagi Ojimbo, Complete Grass Hutter, Artist Select. And don't ask me to repeat that. Um, <laughs> well and, done. Uh, that's it. Very nice. And Drew? Howdy. Uh, I'm Drew Edwards, all the way here from beautiful Austin, Texas. And I am nominated in the Best Writer category for Halloween Man and uh, Lucy Chaplin, Science Starlet, which are my independent books that I publish through Comixology. Very nice. And last but not least for now, Mr. Troy Little. Hey, Troy Little, uh, keeping the can con here. You're a Canadian uh, little delegate <laughs> here. And I'm uh, nominated for Rick and Morty, Dungeons and Dragons artist on that. So I guess me and Matt are duking it out for the humor publication. Be the best man win. Wow. <laughs> wow, shots fired. Very nice. Now, when we get to see Superman's pile, Rick and Morty, that would be a comic. Right. That's a, that's a given win there. Crossover potential. Huge, huge crossover potential. Very Superman, Spider-Man energy in that one. So uh, pretty sure I'm the only one here not nominated for anything. Not bitter about it. Perfectly happy. You're nominated uh, in our hearts. <laughs> I, I do get to work with Troy Little. So uh, I think I feel like I win in that in at least that one regard. But uh, I'm going to throw out a question, which is, you know, uh, you what does this mean to you? Like, you know, it's uh, we're all sort of living through this very distanced time. And this is a little bit of connection to the community that we've missed. Uh, and I'll start with David Pepos. You've been uh, nominated before. What's a, what, what's this do for you? Yeah, well, the first time um, my books got nominated uh, was uh, uh, 2018 for uh, Spencer and Locke, and that was just totally shocking. That was my first book, so getting nominated was just incredible. Uh, for Spencer and Locke, too, and going to the chapel, it feels uh, both surprising and really validating. Uh, for Spencer and Locke, just the fact that people really rallied around a sequel, which kind of feels really uh, just... It, it, I feel so grateful to our readership uh, for, for voting for us on that. Um, 
going to the chapel though uh you know a book that's um a, a hostage situation set at a wedding um it took me quite a while to sell that book everybody said we don't know how to sell a crime rom-com so uh getting this nomination it's it feels very validating uh because uh uh, we believed in this book, and it, it's, it looks like the readers did too. Uh, uh, Pepos, did you just come uh, from your uh, your day job in the uh, drive-through at McDonald's, or, uh, or... <laughs> it's, it's a bad headset joke? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my hair, my hair is far too pretty for me to wear a headset. Uh, Matt, how about you? How do you feel about uh, the nomination for tonight? Uh, you know, I guess weirdly nostalgic. I was born in Chicago, but I lived in North Carolina for a long time and used to uh, work uh, at Heroes Aren't Hard to Find in Charlotte and was a part of Heroes Con for a long time where uh, uh, just being in Carolina knew Mike as a, as a fan and as a kind of presence in uh, uh, my kind of earliest sense of the comic scene. Um, uh, we were actually in the process of, of working together when he passed away. Um, um, and I miss him greatly. So, so the idea of, of, of my name and his name being on a thing, um, however tangentially connected uh, in that way is uh, uh, incredibly meaningful to me um, because he was a, a sweet guy and a great guy and uh, comics are better off for the work he did and worse off for his absence. I've, I've heard that a lot from people about this particular award that, you know, the Eisner is prestigious, but this is uh, the connection of this to Mike's work and his life is yeah. super meaningful for people. I never had the pleasure of meeting him or working with him, but I, of course, admired his work. Uh, Scott? Um, Scott, thoughts, feelings? Yeah, you know, it, it's always a great honor to be nominated for something. Um, um, it's funny, I... I always tell my kids, I, I've been very fortunate. I've won a few of these in the past uh, awards, not just not Ringo's, but um, uh, so I always tell my kids that <clears throat> it's, it's, you know, it doesn't really mean that much. It's just, <clears throat> it's an honor to be nominated kind of thing. And, and, you know, if I win, I win. Although, you know, winning does feel pretty good if I'm going to be totally honest. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is, it's just an honor. And especially to work on a book like the complete grass cutter to do something like that with Stan and, um, you know, I think more than anything else, uh, what matters the most to me is that Stan told me this is uh, the best book that's ever been done in his work. So that's the most important thing. I totally get that. That means a lot. And uh, Drew? Well, um, I, I've been doing this book for, for 20 years now, and this, it's actually the 20th anniversary this month and and the fact that i am you know a self-published book to get nominated for something like this is is a, indeed a very deep honor to me and something i take very seriously especially since i started doing the comic as as a way to deal with the loss of my my twin who i lost in a in a car accident when i was in my very early 20s so i yeah. i also see this as you know I, i'm honoring my 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 twin and that loss by continuing to forge on and make art and make comics and because of that to get this nomination i feel like i already won especially since i'm in a category with so many talented accomplished people it just it, it, it's very deeply meaningful to me it's really fantastic and uh, troy uh being nominated for anything is, is still surreal to me um so i'm totally pumped for the just that simple fact 
I've, I've been a bridesmaid, never a bride for various award shows. So uh, we'll see tonight if it's like, this is the one that kind of breaks my, my streak. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, guess, I guess if, if I'm going to pop in on that question, um, yes to all of that. A total honor to be nominated. Uh, just kind of bowls you over. Um, you know, the... The experience of going in and just—I um, don't know—it's a—it's uh, like somebody knighted you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm—I'm I, I, sitting here on a, a nominee feed with Matt Fraction. You know, like Matt, your your Hawkeye book like blew my mind. It's one of my favorite books ever. Now I'm sitting, you know, here uh, nominated, you know, at the same award show with you. Uh, uh, you know, I remember last year going to the Baltimore Comic Con. And uh, I was in the airport and I walked into a, a barbecue joint and, um, uh, you know, see a man with a pretty cool ass goatee sitting at the bar. And it was uh, Brian Azzarello, who was, you know, my kind of ultimate comic hero growing up and uh, went and sat down next to, to Brian Azzarello and, you know, and, and you know, had a drink with him and we taught comics. I mean, it was um, it's weird. I mean, you're you're kind of let into this very exclusive club. Um, it's interesting and it means so much to guys with, um, you know, you heard Drew say it. I mean, guys who, who have smaller books, I mean, it's, you know, if you have a big and bad book, it's one thing. Um, uh, but you know, I had, uh, I mean the two books that I got nominated for are action lab books. Um, you know, uh, uh, and just right off the bat, um, I don't know, you know, it's like people don't take you as seriously, I guess, when you're when you're when you're kind of self-publishing or if you're, you're doing an indie book or something like that. And you got to fight really hard to, to get in front of people and, uh, and a Ringo nomination or a few Ringo nominations. Um, you know, it, it immediately uh, uh, again, you're knighted. Um, people start taking you seriously. And then when you win one, I mean, I saw it happen overnight. You know, I mean, I was I was on the floor at the Baltimore Comic Con in a booth the entire time. Uh, and there were publishers that wouldn't talk to me. Uh, uh, the morning of the Ringo Awards. And then I went and I won one that night. And when I got back to my booth uh, the next morning, those publishers were coming up to me and saying, hey, what do you got, man? Um, and, you know, those, subtle, those, very those, subtle, those, very smooth. <laughs> those, but, 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 you know, those opportunities are rare in, 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 in this business. I mean, it's there, there's so many of us, you know, trying to, uh, trying to do this, uh, uh, you know, at a, at a professional level. And there are only so many spots on every bench and, uh, and they are coveted and, uh, you know, they're well fought for. And so, um, this gives you, uh, this gives you an edge. It's, uh, it's yeah. important. I'm, I'm curious just because, you know, because uh, of the kind of work I do, I don't really, it's not really, I think Eastman once sent me an email saying, this script is going to win you an Eisner. I was like, sure, buddy, our self-published comic. I'm totally, that's totally going to happen. Uh, and that's very sweet. But I have to wonder, like, Matt, when you were working on a Jimmy Olsen comic, you didn't think this, uh, this is the awards, this is the fountain of awards coming to me from this. No, but I've never thought that about anything you know what i mean sure. like that just makes it i stood in front of the eisner audience and said that i was glad will was gone because he didn't have to see what they've done in his name you know what i mean like <laughs> I, I didn't, it, which is a shitty thing to say to you know a, in front of a table of his family but i said it um uh, uh like it, just, what it never was, it what never was that for uh sex criminals yeah, that's what I thought. Um, um, because that one especially. Uh, Hawkeye would have been cooler about, but uh, Sex Criminals, like, I don't know. Guys. Sure. Um, no, it's all of it is insane. I don't th I'm, I'm amazed that people read it, period. I remain, I will tell friends of mine about something I have written, and they will sort of like, yeah, yeah, I read it. And it, like, oh, right, I forgot, like, it doesn't, 
all of it is, I don't know. I, 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 all of it is a surprise that any of it ever gets published is a surprise that anyone let Jimmy Olsen happen, a comic in which an old woman's ass falls off. Like, like half the time it felt like cries for help. Like, is anyone paying attention? What if I put this in? What if I put that in? Like, it was, it was really about Steve, you know, and like working with Steve and having a good time and like not, not everything else has been gravy. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, especially as writers, especially we work in complete isolation. Yeah. You send, you hit, you hit send on an email. It's like Christmas when people send you the art and you go, wow, yeah. that looks way better than what I would have thought of. And then, uh, you know, you can't be in every comic book store in the world, even with the internet, even with comment sections, you know, even you look at Comicron and you went, oh, 20,000 people bought that. That's nice. Or 30 or 50 or whatever your level of success is. But you don't know those people. They aren't part of your life. You know, new comic book day, a thousand people don't rush up to you on the street and treat you like a movie star. So you're just like. I did see that happen to David Walker once. Really? And, and it <laughs> no one deserves it more. And it was when we just so happened to be with David Walker's mother. <laughs> and, and he got made on the street. And That's so was, great. It was like, I was like, did you pay that? Did you set that up, David? Like, it was the craziest thing. That I, anyway, my wife calls that happened. the soap. I saw it once. <laughs> my wife calls that the soap dish moment. Uh, right. Where you, where you turn to a friend of yours and go, oh, my God, it's David Walker, author of, of Bitter Root. And see what happens, and see see if it draws a crowd. What book was it that they were reacting to with David, or was it the whole vibe of David? His entire <laughs> David Walkerness. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think well that too, but like I think Shaft had just come out, right? And it was it, it was sort of as you know, it was kind of like meeting Shaft for like the it was sort of it wasn't just <laughs> like it was a whole mood. As the kids say, like it was a, it was, a, I think it was when it was shaft. Like, <gasps> and I took, and, and you know, well, he, he is one bad mother. He, well, he well, well, one bad well mother. yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and the scary thing, Matt, is that we had David Walker on the show and, uh, and we finished our hour with him and we shut down. And then I turned to Avalonia and I said, you know what? That was just like meeting Shaft. That was exactly <laughs> what I said, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, he, and you know, and in, in terms of a writer in a writer's career, what makes him the most like Shaft is that he went after that license, got it, set it up, and walked it into Dynamite. That wasn't a you know, that wasn't a phone call from Joe Rybant saying, "Hey, we got this license. If you'd like to take try it out," which is how most of the stuff I work on has come from. He one hundred percent with his bare hands made that happen and uh, kept uh, kept the torch running. That there, deserve there, to keep running. There, there's, there's like no better portrait of David as a creator than a guy who was browbeaten out of DC and producing a, a, a subpar DC stuff, and then creating Bitterroot at the same time. You know, it's sort of like, hey, buddy, you might be in the wrong band. You know, <laughs> I'm so excited to be part of the David Walker tribute panel, you guys. I miss him every day, David. Yeah, David's uh, David's great. He's been on our podcast. He's been on the, the pulp podcast. I do reading from uh, the work of Donald Goins. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm his biggest fan, if not you. <laughs> so, And speaking of being people's big fans, I wanted to talk to Scott about, you know, you worked with Stan on the book, and I don't know how closely you worked or how, you know, how <coughs> I know that a lot of the work you do, those amazing artist editions, I have a, 
I can see the Steranko Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. gorgeousness out of the corner of my eye. Uh, you know, sometimes you're working with artists who aren't around, and what's the, you know, what's what's the contrast like? Um, <clears throat> you know, when I uh, when I was doing the grass cutter book, um, Stan was <clears throat> very gracious and completely hands off. Um, of course, when everything was was done and um, or close to being done, uh, I sent him a full PDF of the book, and he sent back some notes. It was mostly just this looks great. Um, you know, every artist is different. Um, you know, David Mazzucchelli on, uh, uh, Daredevil Born Again, um, you know, I sent him PDFs and, uh, he asked if there was one thing I could do. And then he said everything else was great as is. Um, that was very nice. Um, and as far as with artists who aren't around, you just try to, uh, do the best project you can to honor their work. Um, you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of EC Comics, so to me, uh, those books are very important to me, especially the, um, you know, I don't really have a favorite. I mean, I love Wally Wood, so that one's great to me, but uh, the Mad one was maybe the most fulfilling one uh, because I was able to get Terry Gilliam to do an introduction for it. Wow. And uh, it was actually, uh, it was actually a funny story when I kept on trying to reach out to him, to Gilliam, and... I would get no response from his literary agent. You know, I sent like five, six emails and literally a month before the book was going to the printer, I tried one last time. And instead of no reply, I did get a reply, but it was from the agent's assistant who told me that Mr. Gilliam's agent was on vacation and he was much too busy to do this, but he had taken, uh, taken it upon himself to just forward my email to Terry Gilliam. And two hours later, I had an email from the guy saying, oh, I spoke too soon. And then four <laughs> hours later, I had the introduction. So, wow. Sure well, I mean, you know, when something is as big and seminal an influence on you as Mad Magazine was on Terry Gilliam, it's hard to believe that he wouldn't want to talk about that. But, but while we're talking... But no, especially the connection to Harvey Kurtzman. Because sure. Gilliam actually worked with Kurtzman on help back in the sixties. So there was a very, very close personal relationship there. That explains a lot. Yeah. While we're talking about giants and influences on all of that, I have in the waiting room waiting to come in someone who I like to think of personally as the artist on the variant cover of radically rearranged Rona Ragdolls number one. Uh, but he's also known for this rabbit thing, which is apparently great. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Stan Sakai. <laughs> hey. 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 Stan. No, fashionably late. That's a great entrance. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have thought of it. And congratulations on your nominations. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. I I looked at the nomination list. I have, of course, been reading Asagi Yojimbo. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what happened in issue six that made it so great? And I went and picked it out and said, Oh yeah, this <laughs> was a really great issue. This oh, is an amazing you. little, you know. 22 page Kurosawa movie. Uh, yeah, it was a retelling of the very first Usagi Yojimbo story, um, 35 years, exactly 35 years prior to um, issue six coming out. So that was really special to me. So thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a really beautiful issue on every firing on all cylinders, the art and the writing and all that. It's, and it's, you know, a gorgeous ghost story 
mm-hmm. with the wife and the husband and all that. It's just really go out and everybody go out and buy as much Yusagi Yujimbo as they <laughs> oh, possibly can because it's beautiful, poetic, exciting. It's what comics were made to do. Uh, before you got here, we asked a question around about what awards mean to you. You have won every award. You've been nominated for 21 Eisners. I think I saw that. Is that the current tally? Do I have that right? I think it's a bit more. No, really? <laughs> Someone hasn't updated your Wikipedia page. That's the way I would lodge a formal complaint. But the question we asked everybody, which I'm now asking you is, after all these years, all these awards, what does it mean to you to get a Ringo nomination? Or a bunch well, of Well, it's really special. Each award is really significant in that, you know, most freelancers like myself work in isolation and except for the conventions and you know, just feedback from letters or emails, we really don't know what the public reaction, the reader's reaction is to our, uh, our work. So this, the awards are like a physical manifestation of um, saying that you're doing a good job. And while we're on the topic of it, I have to thank my good friend, uh, Scott Dumbier, uh, because for the wonderful job he did on the Grasscutter Artist Select Edition. It uh, nominated for a Ringo Award, and it also won the Eisner Award this year. So thank you, Scott. Thank you, Sam. Yes, I was watching the Eisners and uh, was very excited when Phil Lamar, my old buddy, read out your name. Oh, thank you. It's always great. So, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, Stan brings up a, a really interesting thing and we've kind of like hinted at it and danced around it a little bit. How is everybody doing without cons? I mean, they were kind of the lifeblood of this business, <laughs> you know, what kept us all kind of like up and going. Uh, they're not there anymore. There have been, um, you know, attempts at, uh, at replacing uh, uh, bits and pieces of that experience. This podcast was one of them. Uh, but, but how is everybody uh, uh, doing without cons? Who wants to jump in? Well, okay, I'll, I can jump in, I guess. Well, um, um, okay. go ahead, Troy. So my wife and I started our own little imprint, decided we would publish our own books uh, and, and ran a couple Kickstarters. So we, we published two books through Kickstarter and now we have nowhere to sell them. So no. <laughs> we have the boxes and boxes downstairs, just like, wouldn't it be great if you could put these in people's hands right now? Um, so for me, like, in Canada, like most of the shows are in the U.S., which there's no way I could even get down there if there were shows right now. Um, it, it just kind of hamstrings you entirely uh, as far as getting your books out there and, and showing what, hey, this is the new stuff that we've been doing, and it's not stuff that might be on, on people's radar in, in the big sense of, say, like the Rick and Morty book or something. So I miss it because I would love to be at a con with all these guys right now and having drinks, and, you know, that's, it's a whole different experience. Um, I would love to be there with you guys in person. So maybe next year. <laughs> well, um, go ahead, Drew. I, I, uh, what I wanted to say is because I do things primarily digitally uh, and at working through Comixology, I think from a sales standpoint, I haven't really, you know, suffered that much comparatively to other people, but what he was just saying, the human interaction part and being able to be like face to face with your fan base 
And, you know, there's certain people that I've just gotten used to seeing at certain cons during the year. Like, for example, there's an anime convention that I do every year in Dallas called A-Fest. And I, you know, I love going to that con because the people are so great. And I, I miss them. They become like your family. And, you know, there is no digital replacement for that. You know, we, like, we, can, we can do Zoom meetings and, you know, share you know, digital comics and all that, but th there's, there's no replacement for, for, you know, face-to-face -face interaction. Mm -hmm. It just can't be beat. I, I might be kind of in, in the minority. I mean, I miss conventions. Uh, I, I love conventions, but I kind of feel like I've been more productive this year, uh, just in, in, in lieu of all the traveling. Um, I've, I've written a number of books during the pandemic, which I, I, I think there's, there was sort of less, of the uh, direct market rat race because everybody was kind of figuring out where they're going to pivot next. And um, I think, you know, Kickstarter has been a, a platform that's been really energized during the pandemic. Um, I did a book called the OZ, uh, which is kind of Mad Max meets the wizard of Oz uh, on uh, Kickstarter. And uh, it's been, uh, it's been, I think a time to kind of reflect a little bit and kind of figure out how are we going to do business? How are things going to change? And um, I think by sort of it, it, it's kind of forced everybody to slow down a little bit. And, um, I, you know, maybe maybe, you know, with the with the short term panic, maybe the longer term, we might be able to come up with some more sustainable ways to do business. It's interesting. Hey, Scott, hey, Scott, what is your what is your take on that? I mean, we're hearing from, you know, creators and, you know, what is a what is an editor's perspective on all of that? Uh, uh, you know, what what is the talk inside a publishing house? Um, you know, first, I actually really miss shows a lot. I really uh, missed WonderCon and uh, San Diego Con. You know, just walking down the aisles and bumping into people, you know, like Stan and Daniel and and everybody else. You know, I mean, just lots of old friends. Some, you know, you just pass and say hi. Others you stop and talk to for twenty minutes. Um, going out with people, having a nice dinner, you know, all that stuff. And then meeting, meeting fans, um, talking to new artists and writers, uh, walking around Artist Alley, you know, all that stuff. Um, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's hitting me hard, but I'm definitely missing it a lot. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we're at IDW, uh, like many publishers, we have, uh, different exclusives at New York Comic Con. We did at San Diego Con, um, and they they did fine. And then um, sales actually aren't bad. They're actually pretty pretty strong for us. Um, I don't know. I mean, my main thing is I miss the interaction with people that uh, I see year after year, and that I miss. Totally. I mean, I you know. I met Stan at San Diego. Uh, Kevin Eastman was nice enough to uh, introduce us and uh, possibly the rudest I have ever been in my life. I think the first words out of my mouth were, will you do a cover for us? <laughs> I will always apologize for not saying even I love Usagi Yojimbo before saying, hey, Stan, will you do a cover for us? That's yeah. speaking, uh, <laughs> speaking of Stan, I, I, I want to talk to you about something after this. So if you could just stay in the waiting yeah, room. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the, the personal interaction and the way in which cons make us a community in a way that nothing else that we do 
really makes us a community. You know, there's the community that coalesces around your local comic store uh, Wednesday afternoon, if possible. And then there's the cons and the cons are such a glue. And I mean, I'm writers don't make money at cons the way artists do. Like, well, I'm not, my economy is not based on me selling sketches. It would be quite a disaster if it was. Um, but how did it feel? How was it different for you, Stan? How, how has this year been for you? Well, like you and uh, Scott, it's the people I miss. Uh, me interacting with fans, also with other professionals. Uh, every year at San Diego Con, a group of us of professionals get together and have one great dinner and we just have a whole night together. And, you know, I miss that. But it's also interacting with the fans and everything. But because of the pandemic, because of quarantine, I mean, I have never been so productive yeah. before. I'm um, right on deadline, and uh, with the Netflix deal, I mean, we're reading scripts, and so we're really busy. And I don't do that many conventions. I do maybe six conventions and two international trips or so. But uh, because you know we're staying at home, uh, my editor's happy because work keeps coming in on time. So. So in that um, that standpoint, it's you know, business as usual for us. In fact, I, I do, I do know how you feel about that. I I think a week ago I finished a script and I was like, I don't have a deadline right now. And it was like the first time in three or four years that I didn't have like, oh, I got to get that thing in. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't late. I'm not late on anything. How amazing is that? Uh, and I think, you know, cons and travel would definitely have... Uh, had an effect on that, Matt. What's your uh, what's your take? You know, I was built kind of going on what Stan says. Stan and I and my wife we met in Barcelona, and uh, it was occurring to me how really how much cons grow our world, sort of literally. And that I had never been to Barcelona before, and it was pretty great uh, seeing new places and things. But also, it's kind of the best way to learn about new books. It's my favorite place to discover new comics and new comic creators, and it it. Uh, wandering around and just meeting people, locals especially, who have just kind of set up a table and are, you know, I've 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 found so many. It's it was, that is how my wife met Valentine Delandro was wandering artist alley at a show in Canada and and a lot of meaningful kind of personal, professional, and just uh, um, fan relationships have started at cons for me, and so that I I, I it's the the, the Face-to-face -face interaction is, is big and certainly missed, but the 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 chance to like, see the world and to see the world of comics mm -hmm. is is sorely lacking. That said, uh, 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 when we don't travel anywhere, we don't spend money. So that's been, we've just been like, gosh, all you had to do is not spend money all this time to have money in the bank. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had, oh, we know I that had the other day. yesterday. You don't tour around out. the world and bring your kids and all that stuff. It's uh, you save an yeah. incredible amount of money. <laughs> I, I had an emergency yesterday where uh, my old car broke down and I had to sort of emergency buy myself a car, <laughs> and uh, the down payment was two grand. And I was like, "That's less than San Diego," so I feel like I have that money to spend. <laughs> That's literally a lower output of funds. So I guess I still have that money in the bank, uh, and I can and I can spend it on a car <laughs> for myself. But uh, but yeah, it's and and what Matt said about uh, Barcelona. I, I don't know how everybody else feels about this. It's partially from being a film crew guy for thirty years that 
I always kind of prefer work travel to travel travel. Uh, when I travel on vacation, mm. like I can sit on a beach for a few weeks. <laughs> it's nice, but I kind of dig having something to do. And I feel like you interact in a more interesting way with your surroundings than you do when you're just a tourist. Yes and and no. Um, my wife is a musician, so I, outside of traveling for cons, I've done a lot of uh, living out of a tour van, which is a little obscene for a middle aged man. That's but, a different uh, story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, there's something to be there's something to be said about what you're you're saying is that you you definitely experience a place when you're you're you know going for for you know lunches <clears throat> or dinners with people. You're uh, you know, rushing around that kind of thing. But I, I definitely, there's something to be said for the leisurely vacation vibe, um, as well. <laughs> well, you know, to split the difference, I can remember my wife produces burlesque shows, uh, and she used to produce one at Comic-Con every year. And I distinctly remember it might've been 2009 where if the show didn't do well, I don't think I could have paid our hotel bill. So, I'm glad to not have that <laughs> pressure. <Rock and> roll. <laughs> like that's a little more rock and roll than I ever want to be ever again in my life. But, uh, what, but yeah. what, what was the plan? If you couldn't pay the bill, were you guys going out the window in the middle of the night? What was the, uh, anything, anything's possible. I don't recall having a plan. <laughs> you know, I, I got gee, I, I hope we sell a bunch of tickets to this. <laughs> when I was, uh, when I was, a lot younger. I used to do a lot of shows. Um, I was an art dealer before I was an editor. So um, I would do maybe 10 shows a year. And the highlight, you know, San Diego was always fun. Chicago was always fun. And then some of the others were fine. But the, the highlight for me was I would spend, um, I would do four shows a year in Europe. I would do uh, the UCAC, which was the old United Kingdom comic art convention that's long gone. Um, I would do Luca in October, uh, and then there used to be a second Luca uh, in March, I think every other year. And then I would also do Angoulême. Um, and that was, those were great. You know, that was like sort of my vacation uh, every year. But I find, um, I, I actually recently, well, six months ago, canceled a trip to, uh, to England with um, my family. Um, which was tough because my kids have never been to Europe before. Um, my wife hasn't been to Europe. And, um, you know, for the past like five or six years, I've sort of regretted that I haven't really spent more vacation time. Um, so we, I've been making an effort to actually go on vacation, um, not to uh, not work time. I actually was planning on going um, besides just to England, uh, this uh, a few months ago, we were going to go to Italy as well to Luca because I wanted to show my family Luca, which is besides being a, a, an incredible convention, just one of the most beautiful uh, places I've ever been to in my life. I mean, the wall of Luca, if you guys have been to it, is very memorable and um, incredible. It's where all those you Assassin's know? Creed games happen. It's great. Oh, is that true? Weirdly, yeah, it, it looks like it's a walled, you know, city. Weirdly, I made so a documentary largely about Luca a few years ago, and I had no idea that there was a big comic book convention there. I had, he passed away since, but there was I knew this 90-something-year-old African-American World War II veteran 
who liberated the town of Lucca in 1944. Wow. wow. And, uh, That's you know, awesome. the whole... The whole thing of coming back to the United States and not being treated with the respect due a veteran because he was a black man. And he discovered a woman who runs a bed and breakfast there, found him online and said, you should come to Luca because once a year, we literally have a parade about you wow. and your squad. So he went back and read, rode at the head of a bunch of reenactors wow. uh, and finally got to enter the city of Luca as a as a conquering hero like 50 years after he had done it as a teenager in Olive Drab. So that was kind of cool. Movie's called With One Tied Hand, by the way, if anyone's interested. But it's great to hear that about Luca. I've always really uh, it's wanted, beautiful wanted city. to go. I, I was at Luca a couple of times. The last time was um, last year, I guess, uh, 2018. And I had a signing and a meet and greet in a palace. And it was ornate. It was beautiful. It, I mean, Luca is such a beautiful city. It's a huge. The streets there are narrow and packed, though. And and the yeah, obviously, I've seen a lot of footage of the wall enough. I mean, if, if has anybody else been to Luca? <laughs> Can't say it, I've had the pleasure. It, it's it's got a it's got this immense wall that completely surrounds the town, but you can actually go up onto it, and there's a cobblestone street, and the, mm -hmm. it's the, it's got grass and trees and their parks. I don't know what they're called. Those kind of weird things that come out in different places. Um, and it's, you know, maybe 30 feet above the town in places, but then at one point it goes down to street level by the opera house. And there's actually a restaurant there near the opera house. Stan, you must've seen this restaurant, the one with all the drawings in it by cartoonists. Oh, I ate clearly, clearly guys being made to sing for their supper. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> there's yeah. a great gallery on the wall. There are hundreds of drawings. It's incredible. That's wild. And the so, monastery yeah, where they grew an oak tree on the roof. And it was oh, in, in the, the 1400s, this oak tree that's still up on a roof of a monastery. And there's also, if I remember correctly, parts of that wall have a moat outside it. Uh, and I'm in favor of comic book conventions being held in places with giant walls and moats. I think that's a, that's if you're a, gonna if you're gonna have a wall, you're gonna need a moat. Come on, that's yeah. a that's an idea whose time has come. I think the the Hall H crowd you're going completely around that wall would really uh, they'd have something to look at better than San Diego Harbor, which is nice. Don't get me wrong, I I do I do love it there. Um, I, I love the view of the Joe's Crab Shack. It's uh, <laughs> is that still there? It, oh, yes. When, when we started uh, doing conventions, which wasn't that long ago, um, that was the first time I've ever really traveled anywhere. It was like an excuse to go places. So having an opportunity to go, especially uh, overseas into Europe and different places, was completely like some of the best thing. We would go for the show and stay an extra week to make sure that we would have yeah. like the show time and then a little personal adventure. Um, we were at a BronyCon in Germany. That we were <laughs> and there's stories about Brony that. BronyCon in Germany. BronyCon in there's Germany. There's a lot of images just flashing right there. Yeah. It kind of makes sense, though. Yeah. And then uh, we stayed next week. We went to this little town called uh, Rotenburg on the river. And it's a medieval 14th, 15th century castle city that was basically abandoned because of the plague. So it's like walking through Game of Thrones. And like you're saying, this is the wall. You can go up and walk around the walls and everything. 
it just blew my mind. Like you step back in time here, this is a, a totally different world than, than the one the I only, grew up in. The only con I've ever been a guest of honor at, I was writing a Doc Savage comic for Dynamite and the Doc Savage con uh, <laughs> invited me to be their guest of honor, which as I expected was about three dozen 60 year old men in a, in a room in a hotel. But uh, my wife had never been to the Grand Canyon and it was in Phoenix. So I was like, honey, we're going to the Doc Savage convention. You will be one of three people there. You uh, will be one of three women there easily. And she was, she was the youngest person in the room, but it was delightful and they were a delightful crowd. And she got to see the, uh, the, Grand, the Grand Canyon. We were about a week behind Stan in Poland about a year ago. I think you were there, Stan. Mm -hmm. um, so I was watching his Instagram and thinking, oh, this is, we got to go to this place. That looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> Basically following about a week later. That's cool. Drew, you wanted to well, tell a story about yeah. Basil Gogos? Yeah. Well, you know, all I'm this talk about that, right? Basil Gogos. Um, all of this talk of conventions really got me going back to how conventions are a place that you get not only get to meet your fan base and that's swell, don't get me wrong, but you also get to meet people you've admired for a long time. And I started thinking about back to about five years ago before he passed, I was at a horror convention in Denver and Basil Gogos was one of the, the guests and I as you might guess, as a guy who does a comic called Halloween Man, I'm a bit of a monster aficionado. So I absolutely worship at the altar of his artwork. I have so much of his stuff uh, in my collection and in my house. But in particular, I have a T-shirt for the band The Misfits that I have had for so long that it started to like fall apart. And I had to turn <clears throat> it into a, a, a patch on the back of one of my jackets. And I, I took that to the convention with the, the desire to have it sign it. And, you know, he was the sweetest guy. He let me talk to him for, you know, maybe 20 minutes. His wife was there taking care of him and he signed a couple of my, you know, posters and everything. And then I took out the, the, the coat for him to sign. And he took one look at it and like put his finger through the crimson ghost's mouth and imitated like his, like a tongue was coming through and it was so funny, but it was also so humanizing to see this guy that I worshiped that he could be a goofball just like me. And I just love that about conventions. I think that, you know, that is one of the things I miss. And oh, absolutely. That kind of interact. I'm, I met Kevin Eastman at uh, Emerald City uh, a while back, and obviously, Kevin Kevin uh, introduced me to Stan. And you know, just the the casualness of you know, Kevin sat down next to me in a hotel bar. We started a conversation about Russ Heath War comics in the '70s, and that was the whole. Our entire partnership grew grew out of that. And as you know, as far as talking about things I miss at conventions, I now have a, a two convention running tradition with Howard Chaikin of when we run into each other, we sing a show tune together at the top of our lungs, regardless of what the audience or circumstances are. Uh, I, I and, for a long time, would, would just call Howard and say the name of a show tune that I had looked <laughs> up on the internet and then waited for him to sing it back. It was like Stump the Band with Stump the yeah, Band. One time, one time I, uh, Howard did a, uh, did a post about musicals. And so I, I chimed in, 
you know, being a bit of a theater, <laughs> I chimed in and I said, oh, come on, Howard, tell everyone your favorite musical is really Grease 2. And uh, <laughs> typical Howard this is, response. But, this you know, is I, a side of Chaikin I never thought I would learn. It is. Oh, it yeah. is, it is this. And he thinks he's got pipes, too. That's the other thing. He's got pipes. Oh, he's wrong. But, you know, just I wanted to chime in on uh, David's story about uh, talking about Russ Heath at uh, conventions because nothing's more fun than talking about somebody's work and they happen to walk in. I was sitting talking to somebody at WonderCon a few years ago and we were talking about Michael Golden. And I, I told that person, whoever it was, that Michael Golden's inking work changed after his run on Mr. Miracle because Heath inked him on that. And, um, and Golden told me that he learned how to ink from Russ Heath. And at that moment, as on cue, Russ Heath walked into the bar, and mm. I and I looked at. Him, I said, "Russ, I was just telling this person about how Golden says that you taught about ink, and he just went, oh, Jesus, is he till still saying that?'" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd be pretty happy if one of the greatest artists told me that I learned from him. It's funny. I was obsessed with those Mike Golden Mister Miracles forever because I felt like I was the only person on earth that remembered they existed. They are the Mike Golden being written by Steve Gerber. I mean, how could they finished? Yeah, it haunts me to this day. And they finally put out a collection, which I picked up this year. I did uh, too. They didn't have the last issue, which was completed. Oh, well, oh I really? I have yeah. never seen it. That's neither. That's, uh, you know, that's under the under the there's a bunker underneath the building in Burbank. I'm not kidding. Where DC is, and that's where mm -hmm. they have the vaults. And it's full of like, here's the copyright proof for Action Comics that oh, they yeah. made at the post office. Here's the page where Robin lives. Here's the uh, uh, here's the rarest DC comic of all was produced for some kid's bar mitzvah uh, wow. in 1978. Neil <laughs> Here, Adams drew it. Here's Swamp Thing meets Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, but I they like correctly. have these flat files, and it's you know Ark of the Covenant level. Wow. Stuff. I got so to walk Scott, through that when I was in New York, when I was a DC intern. It was wild. I, I, I've always wanted to write a movie about nerds who robbed that place. I think I was going to say, Scott, me and you, Ninja Outfits. <laughs> we, will find that, we will find that lost issue of uh, Mr. Miracle. We have run out of time. We have enough time to go around the circle and everybody say where you can find, be found and what you got coming up next. Let's start with Mr. Pepos. Yeah, um, you can, I'm David Pepos. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at PeposD. It's just down here in the corner. Or David Pepos Comics on Facebook. You can subscribe to my newsletter, Pep Talks, at bit.ly slash pepnews. And uh, yeah, you can pre-order my new book from <clears throat> Aftershock, uh, Scout's Honor. Uh, you should be able to pre-order it starting next week uh, at your local comic book shop. Nice. Uh, Scott. Um, let's see. The Michael Golden Micronauts book is going to be artist edition is going to be coming out on November 4th. Uh, oh, so exciting. <laughs> the, uh, actually, no, don't you dare. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> don't do it. To oh, wow. my God. oh, man, That's, man. That's, does it, does, does it come with a cart? <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. That's the, um, this is the signed and numbered variant, not the main one, but, uh, I want to show you. Oh my God. Wow. Oh my God. That's so wow. beautiful. Wow. Incredible. Oh, uh, so, and then in. Don't throw your back out. 
That's more like the <laughs> macro knots. You know, they're good weather. Um, the uh, Jim Lee X Men book is coming out uh, early next year. Uh, Jim Lee's X Men uh, artist edition. Um, what else? Have a bunch of artists and editions uh, coming up. Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four, which are the same as uh, artist editions, basically, but shrunk down to 12 inches, so they're more manageable to read. Uh, and um, a bunch of other things, you know, um, there's a book called Bermuda that's coming out next year by John Lehman and Nick Bradshaw, and uh, yeah, that's it, just working on stuff. Mm -hmm. Love those guys. Uh, Drew, what are you up to? Well, uh, of course, you can find me by searching either Sugar Skull Media or Halloween Man on Comixology if you want to get the app and buy some comics. Actually, they're all on sale right now because Comixology was kind enough to do a 20th anniversary sale. Uh, on Instagram, I am HalloweenMan.com, all one word. On uh, Sorry, that's Twitter. <laughs> on Instagram, I'm Drew underscore Halloween Man. And on Facebook, you just do HalloweenMan.com. That'll take you right to the Halloween Man Facebook page. Thank you. Matt, what you got up next? Uh, yeah, can be found at comic shops uh, uh, right now. i um, doing a sequence of uh, graphic novels called November with Elsa Charité. Uh, uh, and uh, volume three has just come out of that, uh, three or four. Um, doing a book called Adventure Man with Terry Dodson, um, uh, which is uh, issue four. I think is already out or comes out very soon. Um, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen is out in trade this week uh, from uh, from uh, the the, uh, the Ringo nominated Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen and me and Steve Lieber <laughs> and Nathan Fairburn comes out uh, this week. Um, and the last issue of Sex Criminals with uh, Chip Zdarsky and I drops this week as well. So uh, I got congratulations. I'm doing with myself. Yeah. When you say the last issue, this is the last issue of this wraps it That's up. It. That's it. It's the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, wow. we jumped ahead three years and three months so we could end with uh, uh, issue 69. Nice. <laughs> so What's it's a coda wrap-up. It's, 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 it's yeah, is, three and a half years after after issue 30. We just check in with everybody one last time. and then that's, That is that's fantastically it. juvenile, and I'm 100%. Uh, keep, speaking of fantastic juvenile, keep your eyes out for the triple X photo cover uh, with me and Chip. It'll be in a bright pink poly bag wherever filth is sold. Now, when you say the triple X cover with you and Chip, that you yes. and Chip on the cover, that's exactly what that means. Yeah. Wow. Because I am not prepared for that emotionally. It's the cover well, we were wrapping. It. We're wrapping it in a bag for your protection and ours. So thank you. I appreciate nice. that. Troy, how about you? Uh, you can find uh, find me and my wife's work on Pegamoose Press. That's our little imprint. We've got two books: one called Halls of the Turnip King, and recently the final uh addition to the angor napkin saga previous two books were two of my my eisner noms where you know always a bridesmaid never a bride i could change tonight because rick and morty dungeons and dragons <laughs> is up against matt fraction and uh Steve Lieber. so we're gonna see who's who's gonna win that uh, battle of the street fights here yeah very nice and troy troy also Troy failed to mention he is also on the artist on the upcoming artist and co-writer on the upcoming radically rearranged Ronin Ragdoll's uh, animated adventures, 40 page special, What's which I and three other people on the earth have seen. And it looks <laughs> fantastic. It is a fantastic book. I'm ready speaking, for this. speaking of the Ragdoll, Stan, take us home. What do you got going on? Yes. Uh, I have two series from IDW, uh, Usagi Ojimbo and Usagi Ojimbo Origins, uh, early, early stories. We um, 
that uh, IDW's uh, coloring. Let's see now. Uh, also from Dark Horse, I've got um, Saga 9. Saga is uh, the omnibus edition of the Saga. Uh, number 9 is coming out next year, as well as uh, second edition of Saga 1. So still doing the Saga. <laughs> And and happy we are that you that you are. Oh, thank you. And uh, I'm doing. I have a Kickstarter running right now for Elvira the Omega Mam, which is sort of what it sounds like—a post-apocalyptic Elvira versus uh, plague zombies story that one might say ripped from the headlines. Uh, by another Kickstarter going on now for Nightmare Theater Anthology which I have an eight-page story called German Chocolate, uh, which is based somewhat whimsically oh, no. on my father's World War II adventures and the fairy tale ha Hansel and Gretel. It's sort of the I Princess Bride meets the different. Great Escape. <laughs> and, um, so in that book, is it starring, is um, Omega Man starring Charlene Heston? Uh, no, it's not. It's, it stars Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Sorry. But there are a, uh, a quite a bit of uh, references to the uh, to the Omega Man, and uh, one of the working yeah, titles was the last sex symbol on Earth. Uh, and you can find me at davidavalonefreelance.com. Rylan Grant. I am being squeezed out of my panel slowly but surely, and I'm going to do this quick because we are up against the Ringo Awards. My Ringo Award-winning uh, uh, book, Aberrant, is available in fine comic shops everywhere. My now Ringo nominated uh, uh, series Banjax is available in fine comic shops everywhere in uh, via Comixology and uh, uh, Amazon and all that fine noise. Uh, I have a Kickstarter running too because uh, I am not going to be left out. Um, uh, the Peacekeepers is available on Kickstarter, bit.ly backslash the Peacekeepers. Um, it is a 64-page uh, love letter to dark and decidedly quirky crime dramas like Fargo and No Country for Old Men. You're not going to want to miss it. Um, if you are listening to us uh, on one of our three um, uh, YouTube channels or on uh, Apple or Spotify or other fine purveyors of ear crack, smash that, that like button. Give us a five-star review. Subscribe. Tell your friends the whole nine yards. We got to get out of here. I wish we could stay forever. Thank you so much, guys. It was a hell of a show. I'm really thanks everybody for joining us. We managed this chaos immediate, uh, 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 wonderfully. I wish people could have seen the, the the chat that we were having while it was happening. It was almost funnier <laughs> than what was happening online. You guys are great. Uh, uh, would love to get you on the show individually down the road. So uh, keep in touch, guys. Uh, we'll see you. Enjoy the Ringo Awards. Good luck to everybody. Unless you're nominated Thank against me. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.